Did you notice that the person who wrote this hymn, his name is William Williams? Yeah, all right. I'm just saying, watch out for Greg Greg. All right. So today does begin, once again, that season of pre-Lent. And so for three years, we'll be prepared, all right, for what is to come in Lent. And that usually looks like, historically, maybe you grew up with this, maybe you didn't, right? Maybe giving something up, maybe adding something more, maybe both. Because if you've ever read those books, like self-help books about quitting a bad habit, they always say, replace it with a good habit, right? All right, so maybe, you know, if you give up chocolate, like back in the day, right? Maybe you add in some Bible reading, you know? So during Lent, this is a time of humbling and spiritual warfare where we join Jesus in the desert as he fights temptation. And we go through that process so that we can receive the fullness of Easter with joy. And so what do the texts today prepare us to do? It's kind of unique. It's strange. It's very Christian. All of them teach us to patiently endure, even to the end, in faith. To patiently endure suffering. Any cross that God has given you to bear, no matter how small or great. They teach us that when we forsake or grumble against God's word and sacraments, we may lose our faith and fall away. And so we want to endure. But the gracious promise is, is that if we are fed by the green grass of the word, when we, dry, when we drink deeply of the living water of the rock of salvation flowing from Christ's side, we are assured that we are saved by the grace of God alone, never of our own doing. All right? So it's almost like a door that's locked on one side. Right? By no means can what you do, whether it be good or whatever, get you in to heaven. But man, oh man, can evil things that you do drive you away from heaven. One might even call it single predestination. When the Lord delivered the Hebrews from slavery and from death in Egypt, they followed his leadership in the wilderness for 40 years. Right? And God led them through his servant Moses. He was their pastor. Now often because of their great suffering, instead of increasing faith and trust in the Lord to continue to deliver them, just like he did from Egypt, miraculously, if I say so myself, right? I've been rereading in my Bible in a year plan in private devotion. I've been reading through the Bible and we're going through the parables right now. God does miracles to deliver his people from Egypt. And then right when they get out on the other side, they start complaining about him. Right? They even say something to the effect of here.
Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? You see, sometimes God's people can say just the right thing to hurt both their pastor or God. All right. So the people of God here are saying, did you bring us here out of Egypt? Did you bring us through the Red Sea, right, through a miracle to kill us, our children and our livestock? Well, what did God just do in Egypt? He delivered their livestock from the plague. He delivered the people from death. And he delivered their children on Passover night when the angel of death passed over Egypt and the Hebrew children, their lives were preserved, but the lives of the Egyptians were not. And so they're twisting a knife in God's side, but God can bear it. These Hebrews were like the first workers in the vineyard who grumbled in the heat of the day against the owner of the vineyard, even though the owner of the vineyard graciously agreed to pay them one day's wage. And, you know, it's easy to hear this story and say, man, I wouldn't be angry. But think about it, right? This is where we get the idiom coming in at the 11th hour. All right. People came in last second and you can even see in the text. The master says, why have you been standing here all day idle? It wasn't like they showed up outside the Home Depot to wait for the day laborer at the 11th hour. No, they were standing there all day. And when the master would come by each time to get day laborers, they would hide or say, oh, no, I'm you know, I don't want to go. I don't you know, I'm tired. All right. Those were the people that came in at the 11th hour and were still paid the same wage. Yet those who were there at the first who worked all day and received the denarius. Those are like us. Those are like the Hebrews. Most likely, if you're here. You have been a Christian your whole life. You were baptized as a little baby, and you've been coming to church ever since. We were hired at the first hour, yet we will all receive the same wage as the person who was chosen by God at the last minute. The Hebrews back then, they could have had faith that the Lord would provide for them in the desert. That the Lord would lead them, but instead they wanted to vent their anger against God. And the way that they were going to vent their anger against God was to kill the one that was representing God to them and leading them, Moses, their pastor. They wanted to stone him. But thanks be to God, God does hear the prayers of pastors, and he heard the prayer of Moses. And so when Moses took his fear to God in prayer, God gave him a way out. He says, Moses, I will not allow for you to be killed because of the words I gave you to lead these people. Instead, I will go myself and stand in that rock. Strike me, kill me, and I will die in your place. 
And from that point on, God has revealed to humanity exactly the kind of God that the one true God is. A merciful one, a patient one, one who's happy to be mocked, one who's happy to be hated, one who's happy to be spoken ill of and lied about and to be killed for you. And yes, the living water sprang forth from that rock and gave them life in the wilderness, even though those Hebrews deserved death. St. Paul teaches all Christians how the scriptures are to be read in the epistle today. It's actually quite amazing, right? Did anyone hear that and perk their ears up and go, whoa, that's kind of cool, right? Of all stories of the Old Testament that he uses as an example, he picks the one where they hit the rock and water comes out. Isn't that weird? Isn't that one you just kind of fly over? No. Paul tells us that when you're reading the Old Testament, not only can you, but you should look for Jesus literally under every rock. And at a time of great division and fighting in the church at Corinth, Paul, their pastor, points to the Hebrews of Exodus. And he says, don't be like them. Don't grumble against God and your pastor Be instead like an athlete. Be instead like an athlete who's running a race and he disciplines himself and he keeps his eyes on the prize. And he says, I'm not going to have a little bit. I'm not going to have any water until I hit the finish line. I'm not going to eat anything until I hit the finish line. All I have to do is keep pumping my legs And in the process, the athlete, the runner, learns to love training itself. Learns to run and love running itself. He loves the work of it. Not just the crown of leaves that might await him at the end and withers away. And so, dear Christian especially those that have always been one. I want to acknowledge and celebrate with you that, yes, you have, you've probably always been in the vineyard, like I said, right? You probably were baptized as a little boy or girl, or you came to faith at some time in college, and you've just always been a Christian. You've always been working in the vineyard, And sometimes working in Christ's vineyard looks like making the coffee all the time. Sometimes it looks like you're the guy that's shoveling the snow. Sometimes it looks like you're the person that greets a guest or a visitor. Sometimes it looks like you're the guy that preaches every week. Right? We all do work in Christ's kingdom. But that's not a reason And Paul and what what he's saying in Corinthians over the course of his letter is that is not a reason to fight. There's no need to compare one's work in the kingdom and there's no need to compare one's reward in Christ's vineyard. We have all been blessed to have been chosen by Jesus himself to work in his vineyard. 
We all have different tasks. We're all asked to do a certain job for a certain amount of time. And what's so cool is Jesus says no one is more or less saved or loved by God depending on how many good works they do or not. Instead, we learn that we are all helpless, sinful, and dead in our sinfulness until God in his compassion had mercy on us, had mercy on you. One of the tough things to swallow about these readings today is that God did not look forward in time at the great things that you would do or even at the great faith that you would have and then say, huh, I guess I should save that person. I should choose them. No. God, in his godliness, looked forward and saw you dead in your sin. And it made him sad. And he had compassion on you. And in his amazing grace alone, for the sake of the love that he has for his son, Jesus Christ, he saved you. He loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son to die for you. But another hard pill to swallow about the readings today is that once you are saved, it does not guarantee that you always will be saved. We learn in these readings that you can complain so much, whether you're in the desert or in Christ's vineyard, that God could choose to remove his spirit from you, remove his gifts from you, remove his blessing from you. And Jesus says that in John chapter 10, what that usually looks like is when his sheep choose to stop listening to their master's voice in his word which is when they stop studying it and when they stop responding in worship. Something cool is that today we sing our psalm, Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 was written to show the correct response or what the faithful did that day in the wilderness when the Hebrews worshipped God, the rock of our salvation. They said, let us worship and bow down, right, to praise him for the gift of life day to day that he gives us, for the gift of our salvation. But instead, what many of the Hebrews did was complain. And that that negativity led them to strike down God on the rock. And in the heat of the day, as the first worker said, their fixation on the negative led them to, when the master came to pay, say, give me what's mine and let me go my own way. And they left the vineyard. And that should scare literally the heck out of you. You could become so angry with God that you take what you've already received, all the praise you've already received, and leave never to return to Christ's vineyard. All this to say, your works will never get you into heaven. Only faith 
and the grace of God can do that in Christ Jesus. But listen, please listen. Take heed. Your works can cause you to choose to leave and to lose it. And so your only hope is to bow at the rock, to drink deeply from that water that flows from the crucified side of Christ. Because by his grace alone, you are saved. Working in Christ's vineyard is what you are called to do. When you are discouraged by the success of others, that's, that's one of the major themes of the Psalms. You can rejoice in those Psalms. Why do the wicked prosper, Lord? Share in the suffering of Christ. When you carry an enormous cross, maybe it looks like grief or someone has hurt you and never said, I'm sorry, or simply pain, any kind of suffering. You can look to what you know to be true. Rejoice that you are saved. Jesus has chosen you to be in the vineyard. The pain and heat of the day is but a little while. Soon your master will come. Rejoice and say, I have a crown of righteousness and it's imperishable. It will never fade away. If you feel that you are divided from your friends and even your church family because people are angry about who's doing what, keep your eyes on the prize like a good athlete. Keep your eyes on Christ the rock, his immovable word, his life-giving body and blood. They remain yours each and every week, each and every day, so long as you remain faithful and on the race. You are not called into the vineyard to sit around, as Jesus says, but to do Christ's work. And as the athlete does, we can learn to just enjoy the running itself and not the prize. That's just icing on the cake. So work diligently. Instead of looking down on others or up in jealousy, focus on the work of the kingdom. Focus on Jesus. If you're in the faith, rejoice. You belong to the first. But be watchful, Jesus says. Don't become secure and fall away from that diligent work. Don't fall away from the study of scripture. Don't fall away from your care for Christ's body, the church, lest Christ take you from the first and you become the last. Be patient, carry your cross, endure. It's what Christianity and life is all about. Because one day the master will call everyone to his presence He'll say, gather the laborers and pay them their wages. And you will receive the crown of righteousness. It will be yours, just as he promised. Each hour of your work will receive the same payment, an infinite reward that you cannot yet grasp. Each little cross, a glorious crown. And so I close with the words of Peter. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. 
For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name and for his sake. Amen.